And now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee, this is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Hello and welcome everybody to episode number 52 of The Drop Set. Darren Starr here with you. Um, In just a few minutes time, I will have my interview that I just finished recording with Char Legree. Char is an N... uh, Sorry, I almost just reflexively said that. An OCB show promoter and competitor. Um, She's a pro bikini competitor and promotes two shows in North Carolina and Tennessee. I want to have a conversation with her about what the OCB is all about. If you haven't heard of it before, this will be a great primer for you just to give you a little heads up. It is a natural competitive organization in the U.S., and uh, it is growing rapidly. I do make allusion to one quick story from the interview where several years back, um, I remember uh, working with a client. My clients are all over the country, so I just have to be kind of familiar with what shows are available pretty much everywhere. And I remember them telling me where they were and thinking, okay, well, these are the organizations that we're looking at. You know, There's also the OCB, but they don't have shows in your area, so there we go. Looking at it now, if you go and look at their show calendar, they've really got a lot of options here. They're still you know, relatively um, sparse in the Midwest, but they're opening up more in the West, California, Washington State, Arizona, New Mexico. Um, a lot of shows in the uh, Northeast Pennsylvania, Ohio, the Southeast also. So lots of good options there. So if you are a natural athlete and looking for a competitive avenue, um, listen to what Shar has to say clearly. I think she's a little biased, which is okay. Um, but she's also been, she's competed in a lot of different organizations. So she's biased because she's been through all the others and she came to the, the conclusion that this was the best fit for her. So you can hear her justification for that. Talk about the ins and outs of the organization, what it's all about, what the drug testing is like, um, what the path is like to go pro, um, and many, many other things. We really just run the gamut of the whole thing. I want to give a good, um, thorough overview of what the OCB is all about. So if you're unfamiliar with it and it sounds like something that might pique your interest, I think you'll find the discussion worthwhile. I'm going to keep the... Uh, I know I've said this before, but I'm really going to do it this time. I'm going to keep the introductory segments of the podcast very brief. I'm actually going to skip the pet peeve, and the music of the week for this week. What? Oh, Darren, but we're so sad. We waited for those. Shut up. No, you don't. Nobody's waiting for those. I do them because it's my own guilty pleasure, and I know that. I know it. I, I, can, I can accept that. I'm cool with it. So I will spare you all that. I'll just give you a little bit of a personal update here. I am sweltering, even in my basement. Um, I don't know. The basement's probably only like 75 degrees, but um, we've been having a heat wave here in Knoxville um, for the past week or so. It's been in the high 80s, low 90s all week, and our AC has been out for a week. It sucks. It's miserable. It's 83 degrees in the bedroom at night. Um, It's awful. Now, I still sleep like a baby, just to be very clear about that. It doesn't impact how I sleep, but man, uh, my meal prep is taking a bit of a hit. Um, Like yesterday, I went ahead and I'm like, well, you know, I've got to prep up some turkey. I've got to do some other. So I did it and I just stood in the kitchen and sweated for a while and just sucked it up. I did it in the middle of the day so that hopefully it could cool down a little bit by the time my wife got home so that she wouldn't have to deal with the increased temperature as well. Um, it's just, oh, 
it, it's taking a little bit of a hit. So because I'm doing flexible dieting, um, typically my, my carb source with dinner is potatoes that I make in the air fryer. That hasn't happened for a week. Last night, my carb source was dinner with, with dinner was halo top, um, because I needed something freezing cold. Um, so it sucks. It sucks. But the dude is coming today sometime in the next few hours here. And hopefully we can get this thing taken care of. Now, also the other thing is we have a home warranty, which if you haven't looked into those, they're pretty cool. We bought this house last year and just looking at it, I'm like, that AC unit ain't long for this earth. So uh, I knew that if we asked the uh, the seller to replace it, it was going to be a no-go. So I said, just give us a home warranty and we'll be good to go. Um, so they've already been out and did a service call on it once. It was leaking coolant and that's what's happening again. I know because it's behaving the exact same way. And you know, when something's leaking coolant and you fill it up with additional coolant, it's still leaking. So it's only a matter of time. And the guy, when he came out, he's like, you're going to call us on this again. We're just going to see how long it takes for you to call us again. That will help us determine the extent of the leak. And then we can figure out if replacing the unit is necessary. I'm hoping it is because uh, replacing it doesn't cost us anything more than a service call. 75 bucks for a new air conditioning unit. So um, I've got my fingers crossed for that. I would like it. This one outside is huge. It's old. It's really loud. It's an eyesore. I would like something nice and new and shiny out there. So my fingers are crossed for it. Pray for me, please. Um, other than that, the only thing that's really been noteworthy is um, music practice. We have a gig. I'm, I'm recording this on Wednesday. I'm going to try and get this up today. This is Wednesday the 16th. Tomorrow, Thursday the 17th, we have our gig. It's at the Troubadour Roadhouse um, in Knoxville. It's in the Bearden area. So, hey, if you're listening to this and you happen to be in the area, swing by. Um, say hi. Have a drink. Get something to eat. Wave at me on stage in between breaks. Say, "Hey, I heard about this because I heard you on your on the podcast." I'll be like, "Shut up! No, you didn't." And then you'd be like, "No, really, I did." I'm like, "Oh my god, that's awesome!" So make my day, please. I, I'm I'm begging for it. Make my day. Um, it should be a good show. I made an Instagram post on it earlier, just um, promoting things, so you can see uh, me and uh, our two lovely singers. I'm a little biased. One of them is my wife. So, <laughs> but uh, I said, uh, "What was if you've uh, if you've ever wanted to hear piano vocal covers of ACDC, Guns N' Roses, Iron Maiden, Nirvana, and Metallica? This is your shot." So. It, it is true. Um, the particular songs that we do from those bands in no particular order, Thunderstruck, Patience, and uh, Sweet Child of Mine, Wasted Years by Iron Maiden, Smells Like Teen Spirit by Nirvana, and Nothing Else Matters by Metallica. So if you ever wanted to hear some piano vocal covers of those, come check us out. We do a lot of other stuff. That's just the stuff that I think really kind of takes people by surprise, which is one thing we like to do, do the unexpected. So anyway, with that um, being said, I am going to draw this intro to a close. Um, my interview with Char Legree is coming up, so stay tuned for that. And uh, then we'll have some closing thoughts at the end as well. Follow Darren on Instagram at Darren underscore star to see client profiles, updated workout plans, and tips and tricks on training and nutrition. All right. When people think about competing, they're often unsure about how to go about finding shows in their area. And I've always said the best place to start is just knowing about the organizations that actually put those shows on. And one of those that is growing in stature is the OCB, which stands for the Organization of Competitive Bodybuilders. Uh, I have a show promoter with the OCB here to tell us about her organization a bit. This is Char Legree. Hi, Char. Welcome to the drop set. And thank you for being here. Finally. 
Hi, Darren. Thank you for having me. Um, so I will say um, I love the OCB, obviously. Um, it's one of the organizations that I compete in myself. Um, and uh, I like the fact that, you know, some of us regular folk, we kind of have the opportunity, you know, to promote and to show that we love the sport. And uh, OCB, it's natural. Um, and when you use the term natural, what that means is that we do drug testing. And the OCB does drug testing by polygraphs as well as through urinalysis for our pro card winners. So you're tested pretty much not once but twice, and it actually helps to kind of make the playing field a little, a little more fair. And that's what most of the time natural athletes were looking for. Absolutely. So, so you can compete and get by. You said polygraph is the standard fare, and then if it's uh, if it's seen that like okay, this is this person is you know potentially a pro card, so we're going to take it one level deeper and do a urinalysis test just to make sure we're on the up and up. Yes. So what happens is, let's say, um, in different shows, we'll have different guidelines. So for example, if it's a smaller show and we just meet the amount of competitors for a pro card. Um, so let's say women's physique, we have just three athletes. That first place winner will be the person eligible for a pro card, and that will be the person that we test for your analysis. If it's a larger class, and let's say that there's several uh, bikini classes, there might be an A, B, C, those winners would each compete against each other. And then the top winner, which is what we would call the overall winner, that person would do your analysis. Gotcha. Okay, great, great. And I want to dig in a lot more into the drug testing just because, um, <laughs> you know, I've, I've, I've read a lot of, of uh, guidelines and bylaws from other organizations, and it seems like everybody has a different standard. And so I want to spend a little bit of time on that. Um, for starters, though, um, I want to know a little bit more about you. So you're a promoter. You're also a competitor, and not to you know let the cat out of the bag or anything, but I know you were just competing this last weekend as well. So um, tell us a little bit about that and about how you got started in the whole thing. Yeah. So okay. So I just did my seventeenth show. Seventeen. Uh, this past weekend. <laughs> yeah. Um. I've been competing pro for maybe three years now. Um, I got started, funny enough, I was looking for a beauty pageant. <laughs> I just, um, I had like a really bad accident. Um, I fell asleep behind the wheel. I ended up suffering a traumatic brain injury. Oh, wow. I pretty much got to the lowest place I'd ever been in my life. And I was waiting forever. Um, I'm military and I was waiting for the VA to get me in for physical therapy and it just wasn't happening. Um, so I ended up calling my trainer that I had previously, and I was like, look, I need you, you know, like, we, I need you to help me, and we literally built muscle by muscle. I was 5'8 and 112 pounds, and um, taking 14 pills a day, (laughs) and um, yeah, we we built pretty much muscle by muscle. Um, I started putting on weight, um, and then I wanted to do something that I'd always wanted to do, so I was looking for a beauty pageant. And then I found a picture of this competitor, and uh, her name is Jessica Avervalo, and uh, she was a um, IFBB pro, and she had on this white suit, she had muscles, she had a trophy, and a tiara, and I was like, oh, I'm just going to do that. You remember it and clearly. I think, yes, <laughs> and I think maybe six, five or six months after that, I stepped on stage for the first time. Wow, and, wow. Uh, and then wow. I was pretty much hooked. And so and, you started uh, out, you were, <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, like, even though, like, I am, like, so pro-OCB, like, I had to experience things in other organizations as well. 
So I think I've competed in about five or six different organizations, both amateur and pro. Mm-hmm. And uh, OCB was the organization that, that I pretty much, you know, fell in love with. And I had the most fun. And I was like, you know what, like I really want to be a part of this org. That's the one you kind of clicked with in the end. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you said you were 5'8 and 114 when you started out. So what's your typical like average stage weight? Um, average stage weight is between 132 and 134. So you had so a, I'm a good bit of growing to do. Most people. Yeah, I actually gain weight to step on stage. <laughs> <laughs> and so this last um, show, I was one of my lightest um, that I've ever been. So I knew going into it that I... You know, I'd probably do okay, maybe not as well as I could. So, you know. Does your body have a, a tendency to, to lose muscle if you diet too aggressively, so you've got to keep the weight up? Yes. Understood. Yes. And right now I've been dealing with um, IBS issues. Um, so my mom has Crohn's, and so for a couple of years, like, I've been dealing with, with something as far as my stomach is concerned. And so yeah. I kind of knew going into it, like, oh, should I still do the show? But, I mean, it turned out well. I got fourth. Um, fourth place is not that great because at least at third place, you take home a check. Ah. <laughs> and, um, yes, and when you travel for the shows, of course, it costs, you know, a whole lot more money. You have to factor in your gas, tolls, if that applies. Um, it's good to be able to come out and break rent. even. Yeah, so so a fourth place is kind of like, uh, almost, you know? But when you're experiencing issues and dealing with like an IBS flare-up and you come into a pro show and you finish just out of the money, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. And so sometimes, like, one of my girlfriends, he's like, look, you have to give yourself a little bit more credit. Like, look at what you've been, you've been going through. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I stand by her statement, 100%. Yeah. And so I noticed, I was looking up the results. This was a show that was in Maryland, if my research is correct. Yes, yes, it was in Catonsville, Maryland. So Catonsville is um, it's southwest uh, Baltimore County. Okay. Um, so a little, maybe about 30 minutes outside of Baltimore City. Okay. And I was scanning through the results online. And so it, it's labeled as a pro-am show. So it's professional and amateur at the same show, same day. Um, and just scanning through it quickly, it looks like it was only a pro bikini show. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. And the correct. rest of it is like men's physique, men's bodybuilding, classic physique, et cetera. All that's amateur. And then they had amateur bikini, but also pro bikini as well. Correct. Okay. And is so that, the reason, God, I'm sorry. I, I was just going to ask, is that fairly standard? Like, okay, this is an amateur show, which is typically going to be all divisions, and then it's pro bikini figure or pro men's bodybuilding. I mean, is, are they a little bit more selective about that at some shows? So most, so the promoter is always going to pick which pro, if at all, um, division that they want to offer. Um, and typically they'll pick, you know, whatever is kind of popular in that area. And, the thing, too, is that a lot of times people don't realize that pro organizations, they don't make money. Um, in order to make or to even break even, you would have to have about 14 competitors in a class or maybe eight competitors in a class, and they would have to bring in 20 people to bring tickets mm-hmm. because you figure um, the promoter has to pay for all the drug tests for the amateur winners, and those are $100 a pop. Um, let's say, you know, you picked a, a great venue, your venue's three grand. Now you have a pro payout that's two grand. So the, the amount of money, <laughs> um, is definitely, you know, adding up and coming together. And so 
when people decide that they're going to do a pro class, they're trying to pick something where they know that either, A, the people will come to see it, or, B, the athletes will, you know, come in abundance and they'll bring, you know, spectators. Um, but it's always tricky, and that's why there's very few shows that offer more than one pro class, just because you're already starting in the hole as far as when you have your pro payout. Understood completely. And so, and then also the top three pros. Um, so basically, if you're getting a check, you're peeing in a cup. <laughs> so yeah. that's another 300 costs that the OCB <laughs> Pro organization uh, pays for. So that that's interesting. So in the OCB, because it's not not everybody is drug tested. Well, I mean the the polygraph, yes. But um, so do does everybody pay for the polygraph? But then the uh, the uh, I mean the competitors pay for their own polygraph. But then the class yeah. winners that drug test is paid for by the promoter. Correct. Okay, fast. Well, that's good. So if you do well, you don't have to pay for a second drug test at least. <laughs> yes. And then, you know, there's so, there's so many people, like I see all the time, I actually kind of get sick of seeing it, but a lot of times people will say, oh, well, you should just drug test everyone. And as a promoter, I'm like, love, <laughs> first of all, <laughs> these things cost $100 a pop, you know, and then those of us that follow the rules correctly, like OCB, we have guidelines, you know, I'm leaving like right after my show and I'm finding a drop box to go, you know, get the urine like out of my possession. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of times when people, you know, make these claims on how they think, you know, drug testing should go, they're not really, you know, being realistic or they don't know, you know, how much, you know, the cost is associated with these things. They don't have all the behind the scenes details. And exactly. it re really, it sounds like the way it's handled is about the most practical way possible. Yeah. 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 There, there were a couple of things that I thought were interesting just in, in kind of looking through the OCB website and seeing how things were put together. Um, first up, there's no crossover between categories. Correct. Correct. So that's recently new. I want to say that um, came out maybe about a year and a half to two years ago. And part of the reason why is, for one, we try to make sure that the guidelines per category are very clear. So you really shouldn't be bikini and figure at the same time. You shouldn't be able to do well in both of them because they're both supposed to have defined guidelines. But what tends, to what tends to happen, and sometimes it turns people off, um, is if somebody wins, you know, bikini, figure, and women's physique, and you're just like, how does this happen? I've seen how that happen before. Person? <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm like, how, you know, and I can even say on the pro side, I actually play second. Um, once to a girl who she did pro bikini with me, but then she also did amateur figure and she won her tall class. And I'm just like, okay, so am I supposed to come in harder? Because right now I fit the guideline for, for bikini, but I just lost to someone who also competed in figure. Yeah. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. No. <laughs> I, I, I like no. the defined guidelines. I like the lack of crossover. I think it just simplifies everything. Um, and I, it, that, that whole thing about having the judging standards that are clearly defined, um, you wouldn't know this, but I just posted a blog post last night that was railing about judging standards in other organizations and how they're just not consistent, they're not well-defined, and it just doesn't give a competitor a fair shake to really know how to put themselves together for a specific division. 
Right. And I say, like, if a person, you know, isn't sure, you know, or maybe, you know, maybe they still need to work on their lats or maybe they still need to work on their legs or maybe their glutes aren't there for bikini, I say do more than one show. If one show you want to try bikini and another show you want to, you know, try figure so that you can get feedback and you and your coach or, or trainer can figure out, you know, where you belong, like, I'm all for that. But I will say, as someone, I probably have been to 60 or 70 shows at this point. The last thing I want to see is the same person on stage 12 times because they're doing, you know, figure debut, bikini debut, Dallas Iron Women's Physique, and they're doing open this, and they're doing 40-plus. It it just gets very monotonous, and sometimes it gets a little hard to watch. Although I think a promoter might enjoy that because they're just like, all right, crossover fees, we're raking it in. You know, it's something at least. (laughs) But I'm one of those people that I'm like, love, like, are you sure you want to do debut, novice, and open? And part of me, as a competitor, I'm like, you know what, you worked hard. You should get on stage as many times as you want. But then part of me, as someone in the audience, I'm just like, for real. I I agree (laughs) completely. Are we really doing this? Yeah, I mean, there's a there's a, a an argument for and against, but I I like the simplicity of this. I mean, they they take they take all that uh, uncertainty out of the equation. Like, okay, you want to do bikini? Great, you're in bikini. There you go. Period. End of discussion. Yes, and it helps for morale because you know when you lose to someone that may fit better into a different category, or let's say you know you didn't get your pro card and you know you lost to the person who also won the figure pro card that that can be tough and i think experiences like that sometimes turn people off from the sport Agree and completely. we want to keep people competing we want people to have fun and when you feel like you're being gypped you're not really having fun <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly right yeah um there is a a membership required which is terribly common with most of these organizations yeah. i think the numbers that i looked up were to compete as an amateur at 7250 for a pro it's 109 mm-hmm. are those numbers correct yes is that an annual yeah. membership yes And part of what, like, that membership fee goes to, because a lot of people are like, well, I don't understand why I have to pay for this or that. You know, everything from the website costs money. You know, um, being able to have a national show, you know, being able to have a pro Yorton Cup, um, all of those things cost money. And I will be honest, you know, when you start promoting in this sport, you're not really making making a whole lot of money. Um, Yeah, I mean, it's it's all about the expenses and trying yeah. to get the word out. And I mean, clearly the more people that you can get in the show, the better off you're going to be as a promoter, but your expenses yeah. are still, you know, I would, I would say I'm, I'm not a promoter. So correct me if I'm wrong. I would say your expenses are more or less fixed. So there's a certain break even point where you're like, if I have this many people competing, we're going to be in decent shape. Yes. Yes. But yeah, so all of those costs, like as far as, you know, your membership fees, even the stuff that you're getting, like in your goodie bags, a lot of times that stuff costs money. So it's not, you know, going directly into anyone's pocket, like I can assure you, but there are operating <laughs> costs as far as, you know, having a website, you know, even sending out the cards, um, paying someone to, you know, ship these cards out to people, like all of those things, you know, have, have a fee. So um, Char, are, are you telling us right here that you're not driving a Rolls Royce currently? Correct. I'm driving a 2009 Toyota Corolla. (laughs) (laughs) The official vehicle of a bodybuilding show promoter. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and then uh, one other thing, and this this has been a sore spot for me, and I think I read this on your website. And I, it, it, does the do these shows typically follow a straight through format where it's like kind of like you know judging an award presentation for a division, kind of back to back? 
Yes. So, okay, so straight through, like, basically what that means is there's not that long two, three, four-hour break in between, quote-unquote, or six, quote-unquote, prejudging and finals. So in OCB, basically, like, your, your, your placement is already done after judging. And I call it judging. I don't call it prejudging. Like, there is an organization where the term prejudging and finals um, is actually correct, but that's not the case with us. Like, in that organization, um, prejudging is where they pick their top five, and finals, um, after you do your stage walk, is when they actually pick first through fifth. In the OCB, what we do, all of your judging is done during the group comparisons. So by the time you get on stage for your stage walk and stuff, someone has already computed where you where you placed. And how much time so, typically elapses between those two? Normally, there's a 30-minute intermission. And so I can say um, I don't like to spend my whole day at a show. I don't want to be there until 9, 10 o'clock at night. At least not as a I competitor. <laughs> not as, a as a promoter or a judge, it might be kind of baked um, into the not, cake. Not even as a promoter. So what I did last year um, when I promoted my first show in North Carolina, um, the Carolina Fitness Festival, um, my stage walks and routines were optional. Oh, so nice. So that way, if you didn't want to get on stage, you don't have to. Because honestly, for the audience, you know, except for the person that you're going to see, by the time the 10th or 15th person gets up there and by the time you've heard the same song about three or four times, um, (laughs) it just gets, you know, you just want to make sure that everyone, whether it's the competitor, whether it's the judges, whether it's, you know, the people in the audience, you want to make sure that everyone's having a good time. And sometimes when something's long and just kind of drawn out, um, it just kind of takes away from the experience. I, I've often said, because um, I always, uh, I'm always complaining about the length of individual posing routines for mm-hmm. you know men's bodybuilding, women's physique, even. And I've said I can count on one hand the number of amateur competitors that could really fill a 90 second routine and make it compelling to watch. Right. Um, so I, I, I love the fact that it's optional, or you know, if it's shorter, great. It just moves things along that much faster. Everybody gets what they want out of it still, um, but there's less squirming in the seats as the day goes on. Yes, and you know what? A lot of competitors, honestly, that's one of their least favorite parts is having to come up with, with a routine. And so what I did for my show, and this is going to also be the case for Nashville, is um, it's going to be optional. And then regardless of what your you know event is, like if you're doing men's physique and you want to do you know a 60-second, actually it's 30 seconds, <laughs> a 30-second right. uh, routine or something, you're more than welcome to. Like it's your moment. Um, but if you just want to get up there and you know walk real quick and take some pictures for your family, um, get some good stage shots, then you have that option too. So that way it's less pressure. I love it. I love it. I, I really wish that that was the standard, this this um, early morning component and this nighttime component to a show that literally makes it an all-day affair where you're waking up for, you know, tan hair, makeup, food at 5 a.m., and you're not getting off stage until 11 p.m. It's just, it, it's ridiculous and nonsensical. So I wish more organizations would adopt this approach. It's just better for everybody. Yeah, um, and I can say that I can like agree from just like every every different standpoint, <laughs> from being an expediter <laughs> to working behind the scenes. Like no one wants to be there all day, and I can understand how some of like the larger shows 
Um, you know, like if you have over, you know, 150 competitors, I get it. But what many, many uh, promoters are doing now is if they have those kind of numbers, they're breaking the show up. So, you know, you might have women in the morning and then you might have men in the evening or vice versa so that there's two different shows. So if you just came to see your son compete, you can do that and then you guys can go eat and you can go home. And there isn't the question of, well, do I pay for a morning ticket or an evening ticket? When should I really be there? Do I have to come to both and spend all day at this thing? And I feel like that split format is really difficult as an audience member, too. So the good thing is that there's one ticket. Love it. So, yeah. So there's there's one ticket. So you pay that, you know, whether it's $25, $35, $40 one time, you get a wristband. So if you want to you know, just see, you know, bikini in the morning and then you want to come back and see men's physique in the evening, you can do that. Brilliant. I love it. That's great. That's great. Um, going back a little ways, like back in time, um, I remember cause you know, I, I do prep coaching, so I help people find shows all the time. And you know, there, there was a time where I don't think it was too long ago where depending on where somebody was in the country, because my clients are all over the place, um, I wouldn't even consider looking at the OCB because I'm like, I know they don't have shows in that area. And now I pull up your um, your show calendar. It seems a lot mm-hmm. more mature and a lot more fleshed out. It, I mean, is there are you seeing pretty steady growth in all regions around the country as far as new shows popping up? Yes. So what's happening is, you know, we have some people moving. So like I moved, you know, I moved from um, Northern Virginia, which has 5 million shows to (laughs) North Carolina, where, you know, on the natural side, you know, it's, it's, it's room for growth. Um, So yeah, we have a lot of people who are just interested in other states. Like we have, you know, a St. Louis show, um, Nashville, you know, now has a show. So a lot of different areas. Um, we're moving into Texas, so we're pretty much kind of spreading. It's kind of the, the great OCB migration. Well, I, I like it because um, I see shows in Washington State, in yes. Arizona, a couple at Tempe and Phoenix, Arizona, um, a lot in the Northeast, a lot in the, the, the Southeast area as well. So I think it's certainly still more concentrated in that area, but I see this westward expansion that yeah. is encouraging. There's a Tucson show I see as well, Hollywood, California. So they're showing up. Yeah, yeah, and um you know, with the with the interest, you know, New Mexico is pretty much like booming right now for us. Um, Florida um, is doing pretty well. So, OCB, you know, started in in the Northeast. So that's why too. There's you know a lot of shows, a lot of the shows that have been there, you know, for ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, I think two years ago, um, we gave Matt Shepley, the president of the organization, um, an award because it was the ten year anniversary of the Presidential Cup. Oh, nice. And so, nice. and so, yeah, so we're, we're kind of going a little bit everywhere. Um, Ohio, you know, Massachusetts. I see a lot um, in the Ohio, Carolina. Pennsylvania, and the New England area. Yeah. Very cool. Um, and it looks like pretty much all of these shows, there are some exceptions here and there that aren't tagged this way, but pretty much all of them, uh, all of the amateur shows are pro qualifiers. Yeah, so some of the shows, so every show um, will be a conditional pro qualifier. And so what that means is, you know, not every show first year or even second year off the bat, you know, is going to have 70, 80 competitors. Um, But let's say it's a smaller show that maybe has 30 competitors. But let's say that they reach the minimum for a pro card. And so that kind of works two different ways. So let's say um, so women's physique has been very small this year. So women's physique, the requirement is only three competitors open. 
in order for a pro card. Basically, um, you don't want for, somebody to show up and be the only person in a class and then suddenly win a pro card. Correct, correct. Because it, it kind of, it can look bad um, depending on how they look. <laughs> sure. Um, you know, this could be someone that was just like, you know, I'm just going to try it out or just someone that may not be conditioned yet or may just not be you know, ready yet, and you want to make sure that it's a good representation of the organization and a good representation of what the category is supposed to look like. And so some of our larger categories, so you'll need nine in uh, men's physique. Um, you'll need, um, I believe it's about five uh, for men's bodybuilding because it's also been a little small. Mm -hmm. um, bikini, you know, you'll need six competitors in open. So as long as you reach that particular number in open, um, you can go ahead and offer a pro card. Understood. So conditional pro qualifier, there's a threshold for that's based on the on the category, how many competitors have to be present in that class in order for you to be uh, to, to qualify for a pro card. Correct. And so if, if it's a large show, so like we had um, a Charlotte show last year that did like very well, over 60 competitors the first show, so that show was automatically this year going to be a pro, pro qualifier. Excellent. So people won't have to worry about, you know, because it's already proven itself. So people won't have to worry about, okay, well, you know, are there going to be enough? And I'm actually one of those promoters where, like, I'll call people. You know, like last year, uh, my North Carolina show, I had one woman in women's physique, and I had someone that kept telling me they were going to uh, do the show. And then as time went by, I'm like, okay, are you going to do it? Are you not going to do it? And I called her, and I was honest, you know, and she ended up deciding not to do the show. Now, unfortunately, she went to another show and still ended up being the um, the only competitor in women's oh, no. physique. Um, but, you know, I'm one of those people because of the fact that I've competed, you know, and in certain organizations as a pro, I've gotten on stage by myself, and it really wasn't fun. It took away from the whole idea of competing. So I'm one of those people, like, I'll call and I'll be like, look, I saw that you're doing debut for bodybuilding. There's no one else in it. Can you, you know, maybe do novice and open, and we'll just switch you over? And that actually worked for me last year, and I was able to offer, you know, a men's bodybuilding pro card because I asked people if they were willing to, to move. Nice. Nice. I did have a client who competed uh, last weekend, actually, up in Alaska, um, and he Woo! was doing men's physique masters and uh, took, took first place out of one. Um, which was too bad. It was just a really, really small show in Fairbanks, and it was the same kind of thing. It's like, hey, this is great, and you know, he had a really, really smooth prep and came in really conditioned. We're really happy, but there was just nobody else there to really compare against. So it was kind of, it was a victory, which is nice, but it's a very hollow victory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I think that that's important, and I think that more promoters, you know, should should do that. I like um, that you take I an active role because in I. That. You know, I've been there. I understand, and it's not fun. <laughs> it's not fun. So, <laughs> no, so I not. like, you know, I try to be honest. I try to be, you know, transparent. Um, you know, and and just let people know. And I'm like, look, I understand if you don't. <laughs> um, you know, or maybe let's try this. You know. Um, Some people might just need a little arm twisting, though, and so you're willing to provide that. Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. <laughs> um, so let's talk about some drug testing. There were a few things that I saw on the website that I thought were, were very interesting. So okay. um, one of the things that it said on the OCB website is that half of the people who fail drug tests are bikini competitors. Yes. That is fascinating. 
Right? Like you wouldn't you wouldn't expect that. But unfortunately, um, a lot of bikini competitors will abuse prescription diuretics. Um, you, is is so, that like the largest category that would cause people to fail a drug test in, 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 under this circumstance? Yes. So it's not so, so much the, the anabolics, but the I got to lose some water or maybe something like, you know, clenbuterol or something like that. It's mm-hmm. a banned substance. They'd use something like that, not necessarily because they're trying to put on 25 pounds of muscle in between shows, Correct. but because they're trying to lean out a little bit more. Correct. And you'll notice, too, that a lot of our competitors, even in, you know, men's bodybuilding and women's physique, which you expect to be larger, when you compare them to non-drug tested um, organizations, you'll notice a very big um, difference in size. So like someone, for example, who may do uh, men's physique in the NPC or another non-drug tested organization, they'll have to go up in category. They may not do well in men's physique on the natural side because they're going to be so much bigger. So they may have to do classic physique or men's bodybuilding if they do OCB. Well, it, so, it's kind of like a, a thing of scale also. So you can look at the pictures for OCB shows and you can look at a women's physique competitor or a men's physique competitor and you're like, man, they're really packing some good size. And then you put them side by side against somebody from the NPC and you're like, okay, well, it's relative. You know, Clearly they're a little bit smaller, right. but that's to be expected. And so, so most of the time, people, I think, kind of understand that. But so with the bikini competitors, most of the time, it, they're trying to um, not gain fat and they're trying to put on lean muscle. And drugs like clenbuterol help people to do that. And then I think what also happens, and so, you know, with the drug testing, sometimes people will be like, oh, no, you know, we shouldn't do the polygraph because some people still fail the urinalysis. Well, the, the um, polygraph serves as a deterrent. Um, and we do catch people through it. But then there's also so many competitors, and I actually um, dated one. He was an idiot, but I dated him, um, <laughs> who actually, you know, had his hand out, and his coach was giving him something. He didn't know what it was, but he took it because he trusted his coach. Mm. And so you'll have people that don't know that they're taking something banned. You know, their coach may not be reading what the substance is, but the coach is like, right, well, this works for all my other girls or all my other, you know, men's physique athletes take this, and they're just like, here, here, here's this. So if you don't know that the pill is, um, you know, on the banned substance list, or you haven't done the research yourself, you just know that your trainer said, here, take this, then, you know, now you're popping hot, you know, on the urinalysis. But you didn't necessarily know that what you were taking was wrong. You know, it, it's funny that you say that because I have a, a client who now, I think she's about three, three and a half weeks out, and um, she was taking uh, prescription medication, um, mm-hmm. and lo and behold, we look, it's on the banned substance list because one of the things it does is it functions as a diuretic. And we had a panic moment. We we're like, oh, crap. Okay. Um, so I emailed the, this was not OCB. This was a different natural organization. I emailed them and I'm like, what's up? She's got a prescription for it. Does that matter? And I said, as soon as she discontinues 30 days prior to the show date, she'll be fine, which she did. So it's all good. But it's one of those things where it's like, that was almost a legitimate mistake. Um, yeah. But you catch that stuff in time and you're good to go typically. And what I tell people, too, and so depending on, you know, what, you know, the prescription, you know, is for, you know, like if you're someone who has, you know, ADD, you know, you might have to take, you know, Adderall, you know, which is on the banned substance list because Adderall keeps you skinny. You know, you'll have to, you know, provide, you know, just proof. One of the things that I'm seeing, though, I've never seen so many people in my life need 
you know, testosterone. You know, everyone's got some kind of deficiency now, you know. Of course. And it's so trending. and so now, you know, when people are like, Oh, well I have a deficiency, so my doctor's doing this and we're like, Okay, well we're gonna have to ask you um specific questions. Um, you know, did you, you know, tell your doctor that you had, you know, this need in order to be able to, to take this, um, as far as like human growth hormones, you know, all types of stuff. And people are just getting more and more creative. Um, when it comes to, um, you know, how to take these, these medications um, or how to mask, you know, certain things. And I say for people who, you know, genuinely want to make sure that they're not taking something on the list, you can pop that baby. You can go to the banned substance list, go ahead, copy it, pop it into a Word document. And if there's a something, a supplement that you're thinking about taking, you can go in and put those big words in there and, you know, just cut and paste and search. And see, you know, see if it's in there. Absolutely. So th this kind of, you know, th this, we may have just answered this question. I, I've always had kind of a cynical approach to this um, before, but ever since this experience with um, my client and her prescription medication, which was just in the last <laughs> week or so, I've always thought, you know, it's pretty hard to fail a drug test accidentally, but apparently maybe not. Yeah, yeah. If you don't know what you're taking or you're just blindly trusting someone, and I tell people all the time, you know, like I said, I dated one of these, you know, people, and I was just like, love, like, for one, you have children. You know, that's something that you have to, that you have to think about. Um, you can't just blindly take a pill from someone. And anything that you put in your body, you should be looking at what the side effects are, what the other uses are, anything. You should never just be blindly trusting someone else and just taking pills not knowing what they are. Especially because so many of these substances are black market, so they're just completely mm -hmm. and totally unlabeled. Um, you have no way at all, even if you look it up in a drug reference book that tells you what mm -hmm. size the, the tablet is supposed to be and what markings are on it, none of them have that mm -hmm. most of the time. Oh, wow. So it's a real, real risk. Yeah, so basically I think the lesson here, if you can't look it up, don't take it. <laughs> I think that's fair. If it has to be a secret, don't take it. If you don't know where it came from, don't take it. If you can't pronounce it, you might not want to take it. That's probably a good idea too, yeah. Well, I've just got a couple more quick questions. I really appreciate you being gracious with your time here. I just wanted to oh, couple, no uh, touch on a couple other things. Um, on the drug testing, I noticed that uh, they do not have a requirement that you be a lifetime natural. What they are looking for you is to be seven years free of any banned substances. Correct. Because um, there are a lot of people who, you know, maybe in the 80s and 90s, you know, when it wasn't such a big deal and where, you know, natural bodybuilding wasn't, you know, so prevalent, um, there were so many people taking, you know, bands, well, they weren't banned yet, but taking these substances and it was normal. You know, um, it took, you know, people like Shut Yorton to create, you know, a natural bodybuilding in places where people could come where they didn't have to, you know, take drugs to, to catch up. So we're not asking you to be one of those people who've never done it because people can change. You know, I think the environment has changed where now it's like, oh, yeah, I don't take anything. And that's OK. Um, so, so I, I yeah, can think of, of a. Time, oh, go ahead. Go ahead I'm sorry. I was going to say most of the time, um, you know, in a year or two, you know, you're no longer experiencing, you know, the gains from a lot of these substances. Um so that's the whole point. Like we want people to to want to be, you know, a part of natural organizations. And so to kind of force someone to never be able to to you know compete again because of something that they did ten years ago or twelve years ago, I think that's I think that's a bit ridiculous. 
I, and I think that's cool. There, there are a couple people, and I can think of one, and I'll, I'll go ahead and name him by name because he, he is very open about this on his social media. Julian Smith, um, he goes by the quad guy. Absolute okay. insane, ridiculous physique. He's a natural, but not a lifetime natural. And he, he admits very much like, yeah, years back, I used some testosterone for a little bit. I didn't know what I was doing. I got nothing from it. But now there are some organizations that won't have me, so I compete in the NPC. And he's very open about it. But you look at him and you're like, oh, well, clearly he's lying. But, I mean, you know, genetics have a lot to do with it as well and, and clearly right. work ethic, et cetera. So I think it's good that you're not shunning people for, for, for life. I think seven years is reasonable. You know, at that point, you're pretty much free and clear of any benefit that you would have had from anything like right. that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so you have you said you're a promoter for two shows, one in North Carolina, one in Tennessee. Tell us about those. Yes. Um, so August 11th uh, is the uh, Carolina Fitness Festival. And uh, I was kind of thinking one day, I'm like, you know, why don't we have, you know, quote-unquote festivals? So I'm hoping that one day that, you know, my show will, will be huge with, you know, 50 or more vendors. This year, doing pretty good. I'm, I think I have a little over 20. Nice. And, um Yes, it's at the uh, Greenville Convention Center. Um, a lot of people have never heard of Greenville, but it's where ECU is. <laughs> and um, it's about an hour and a half um, outside of Raleigh, and uh, it's a straight-through format, so you're not going to be there all day. I think last year we were out of there by, like, 3.34, and we went to eat. It was great. <laughs> nice. Um, and then um, the Nashville Natural Classic, which is going to be in Franklin, Tennessee, and uh, that show is going to be September 15th. And this will be my first time I'm promoting it. Um, someone else was the promoter, but I think they didn't realize how much work <laughs> actually goes into promoting. And, you know, they gave up the show. And I wanted a second show because I love this sport. And, um, you know, I was like, you know, hey, the opportunity is here. You know, let me take it. So not um, a new show in 2018, but your first year with it. Um, so actually, it's a, it's a whole new show um, oh, it is. In, in 2018. Nice. Yeah. And so, nice. and so now it's mine. And so I'm going to give it just as much love and just as much, you know, nurturing as I've done for the, the Carolina show. Last year I had a little over 50 competitors, and um, it was a good time. And like I Excellent. said, stage walks and, you know, your, your 60 seconds, totally optional. Um, but, but it should be a good time. And I'm really looking forward to, to Nashville. So I'll be there in a couple of weeks. And I've just heard nothing but amazing things about just the atmosphere and so many things to do. So I think that's going to be a really good time. Excellent. Excellent. And, you know, th there was a point sometime back, probably about six or seven years when I was thinking like, you know what? Because at the time I lived in um, Asheville, North Carolina, and there's just okay. nothing going on. Like there is a natural show out in like Highlands down in that area, um, which very small. I'm not even sure if it's still around. Um, but I was thinking, you know, we really need a show in this area. I wonder. And so I did a couple hours of research into what it looks like to be a promoter. And then I'm like, eh, never mind. Let somebody else do it. So more power to you. God bless. Yes, you're literally doing something for your shows every single day, um, whether it's social media, whether it's, you know, updating um, your website, whether it's answering emails. And then the funny thing is competitors and coaches and trainers, they don't read. So everyone is going to send you emails asking <laughs> you the same information that you've already put on your website. Um, but you get used to it, you know, and you just, you know, prepare yourself to have to answer, you know, questions that you've already answered. I'm going to um, play it safe and just say no comment on that. Not like I have any similar experiences in my line of work <laughs> at all. <laughs> yeah, but you're just like, okay, sure, you know, or you'll be, or, you know, I'll be like, you know, oh, what I hate the most 
Um, and so it, it's funny. I laugh at it now. But because most people have never heard of Greenville, I'll have posing clinics there. And I'll get people to be like, oh, my God, yes, you know, I've seen you in your 5 million shows that you've done. Like, I definitely want to work with you. I've seen some of your clients. Um, and then they'll be like, yeah, I'm willing to travel. And then you send them the address, like they're paid, good to go. And 24 hours before, not 48, not 72, 24 hours before, they're like, oh, my God, I thought you were in Greensboro. I was going to say, oh they, they're picking Greensboro, aren't they? <laughs> Yep, and they're like, oh, my God, you're five hours from me. Oh, my God. You, yeah, because those in, two cities are like six in... hours apart, right? Yeah, um, we're about two and a half hours apart from there. Oh, that, um, okay. But then some people will also be like, oh, my God, I thought you were in Greenville, South Carolina. And I'm just like, I don't know how. Like, I gave you the state. I gave you the zip code. I don't understand. But now, like, I laugh. In the beginning, like, it used to, like, make me sad and stress me out. And now I just. I just laugh, and I'm just like, all right, well, we can do online if that works for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, and if it makes you feel better, there's a Greenville, Tennessee also. I have no idea where it is, oh, but it's around here somewhere. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah so, so I'll, keep that, I'll keep that in mind. So now, like, I literally put Greenville, North Carolina is 1.5 hours away from Raleigh. We are located on the eastern part of North Carolina. <laughs> and meanwhile, pe- people that are, like, careful readers are like, what on earth is she describing this for? I, I know. I can read. <laughs> I know, I know, but it's for it's for the five million people that that won't. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, if people want to get more information um, on the OCB, your shows in particular, where can they go? Um, both the Nashville and um, the North Carolina show are both on the Carolina so CarolinaFitnessFestival.com. And then if they were looking specifically for information on the Nashville show, they would just go to the homepage, scroll all the way down, and then you'll see something that says um, Nashville Natural Classic. And then all the information is there. And I've tried to make it as easy as possible, especially for the North Carolina show, so you can actually sign up for your hair, tan, makeup, all of that on one page. You can get uh, money off of your suits, you know, everything in, in one place. Excellent. And if people want information on the OCB in general, it's ocbonline.com. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. And then if you're looking specifically for shows, you can go like right under events. Um, if you're looking for the guidelines as far as drug testing, um, how to become an OCB pro, um, you know, what we're looking for category-wise as far as bikini, figure, physique, classic physique, men's physique, um, everything bodybuilding that's all there and then if you wanted to check out like the results from shows that have happened um over the last couple years there's even a results tab char this has been fantastic you've been excellent i appreciate you taking the time to come here no thank you so much for having me this is such a great opportunity so i really appreciate it absolutely well good luck with the carolina fitness festival and also with the nashville natural classic good luck to both of those and uh hopefully we'll catch up with you again before too long All right. Thank you so much, Darren. All right. Thanks, Char. Have a good day. Okay. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Time to wrap it up. Closing thoughts. All right, I really enjoyed that conversation. That was fun. She was good to chat with. So um, hopefully you learned a little bit of something uh, about the OCB. And I hope to have other representatives from other organizations on here in the future so that we can learn more about those as well. I just like having opportunities. I like having options available for people. I don't want people to feel like they have to compete in an organization like the NPC just because it's the biggest organization that's out there. It seems like the king of the hill, so we want to compete there. These other organizations have a lot of a lot of. Volu- 
validity to them as well. So I think it's worth exploring those, learning more about them. So um, hopefully we, we accomplish that here today. Um, now, let's see. One thing I forgot to have Shar do is promote herself. So... Um, on social media, if you wanted to check out what she's doing, you can find her. It's at Miss Shar, S-H-A-R is her personal account. She also has um, uh, Instagram profiles for her shows. Um, it's at Carolina Fitness Festival and at OCB Nashville Natural Classic. Kind of a mouthful, but there you go. So if you wanted to follow either her of her shows or um, her personally, there you go. Now, next time when we come back here, uh, I'm going to have an interview with Neil Thanadar. Neil is the CEO and founder of Labdoor. This is a company that does supplement purity testing. So this was new to me. Um, a, uh, a former client, shout out, thank you, Bob. He brought this to my attention. I looked into it. I'm like, I want to know more. So um, I reached out. Neil responded. And so we're going to have an interview with him um, covering a wide range of topics. So first of all, why do we care about supplement purity? Is this really a concern? Is it something that we should be concerned about? Um, and then um, also, what kind of things are they testing for? Um, you know, is it just like, you know, uh, is there anything dangerous in here? Are they accidentally putting or maybe not accidentally putting bands substances into some of these things? Um, is what's in the package actually what's on the label? Does the product do what is it, what it says it's going to? Is there anything that's you know dangerous or any ingredients that we know about, but maybe we should be concerned about some of these ingredients? So we'll have a good conversation with Neil about that stuff. I'll be recording that interview shortly, and we'll have another episode of this put online before too long. So just stay tuned for that. Um, in the meantime, I will leave you with um, a parting gift, which is not having to listen to me shout out all my social media crap again. So there you go. Um, if, <laughs> because I know, uh, one, one, I, I have a feeling that once I start rattling all that crap off, people are like, all right, cool. And next, what, what next episode or what else am I listening to bring up some, some other podcast. So I will spare you and just say, thank you all for listening. As always, you, the listeners are the ones that make this possible. So I appreciate you tremendously. Um, so come back here next time. And until then, be